0: Series, summer series on the fruit of the Spirit found in Paul's letter to the Galatians, fifth chapter. We only have two verses of Scripture all summer. Every, you know, so you ought to know this by now. We've come today to the fruit of peace. Let us pray. quieten all the voices and all the talking and all the noise of the world, O God, that we've heard this week, and speak to us your words of truth, of eternity, of power, of transforming love, lest we perish, we ask through Christ our Lord, amen. Well, the passage is this. By contrast, Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now last week, we, or week before last, or I don't know, whenever I was here last, we talked about uh, joy. And there are 171 references to joy in the Bible. But this week, uh, when we're talking about peace, there are 242 mentions of peace in the Bible. Of all the things that Jesus could have said when he returned to the church after the resurrection. Now think of this. We've gone through the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and, and when Jesus comes back to the church, to the 12 disciples locked up in the upper room, of all the things he could have chosen to say to them, he said to them, peace be with you, peace Now, he could have come back and said, why did all of you run off and hide while I was being crucified? I would have said that. Or he could have said, I knew I should have picked 12 women. (laughs) But when he came back to the church, I think he very strategically chose his words. And he said, peace be with you. He spoke of peace. We have a magnet on our refrigerator at home and it reads this. Peace does not mean to be in a place where there's no noise, no trouble or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of those things and still be calm in your heart. Now, why would Catherine have that on her refrigerator when she's living with me? (laughs) I have no idea. But the point of that simple magnet is peace is not the absence of conflict. If we wait for that, we'll never have peace. If you think of it this way, Jesus likely had peace while he was being crucified. There are times in our lives when we are at odds with other people because we're hanging on to something that's very valuable to us and they're hanging on to something very very valuable to them. And there's conflict in that place that in many cases cannot be resolved. But it doesn't mean that peace can't be there. Whatever peace is, that the Bible talks about, it cannot be acting as if something doesn't matter when it does. That's not peace. Peace cannot be letting go of your ethics and your morals in order to just reduce the conflict. Peace cannot mean being a doormat And lying down while others simply have their way, and now we're at peace. No, we're not. Because I've given up something very, very important to me. Whatever peace is, it cannot mean tolerating injustice for the sake of peace. That's not peace, that's indifference. Paul wrote to the Philippians church and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. The peace of God, he's not talking about human peace. He's talking about divine peace, the peace of God, the peace that belongs to God, which surpasses all, and I'll insert the word human understanding. We don't understand it. And Paul says that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is a peace in this world that you and I don't understand. There's a peace in this world that you cannot manufacture by sitting down and negotiating between two parties. It doesn't necessarily mean we've come to peace there's a peace in this world that prevails in the midst of life storms. I've seen this with people who are on their deathbeds. And there's a peace in that person that surpasses all human understanding. They don't even understand it. How can I be at such peace, Steve, when I'm moments away from dying? Because it's a peace of God that is dwelling in you. This isn't your peace. This is God's peace that's been given to you as a gift. In the midst of the storm. Mark Gornick writes... The church, by its gracious relations and activities, is to offer God's peace to a hurting world. Sharing the peace is sharing the living and transforming Christ. Faith meeting the culture at its point of deepest need. While always a gift of peace, Peace will not come about unless the church works at it intentionally and more tenaciously than the forces that are working against it. Hmm. You remember uh, this little letter of Galatians. Paul's writing it, he's probably in Ephesus they say, he's writing back to this little cluster of churches, the first group of churches put together on his first missionary journey out of Antioch. While he went away, someone came in and said, um, Yes, you can be a Christian, but first you have to become Jewish. And in order to be uh, under the covenant of Abraham, you must abide by all the Jewish laws and the men must be circumcised and all of that. And then once you have come under uh, the, the covenant of Abraham, then you can receive the Messiah. And Paul writes back and says, no, no, this is not what we preach because all who belong to Christ, there's nothing wrong with being Jewish. But all who belong to Christ belong to Abraham. This is not a man-made or woman-made thing. This is a gift from God that comes to us. It's a relationship we have with God through this Jesus who then empowers us with the Holy Spirit to have the very mind in Christ and the mind of Christ himself. So these fruits of the spirit are not things you have to chisel up. You know, the church should not be preaching, you ought to have more love, like just love some more. Or you ought to be more joyful. Can't you conjure up some joy? Can't you be a little bit more happy? And I, I said, well, Lord, no, they're, they're Presbyterians. It's just not. No. Can't you just be at peace? No. I cannot. I'm at odds with my brother or with my sister or with my mother or my father. I'm at odds with this group or that group because they stand over here and I stand over here. No, I don't have this stuff. Paul says it's the fruit of the Spirit. Capital S God's spirit, not your spirit. It is born in you. But, and I'm, we're going to say this, it must be cultivated. That's our job. We're in partnership with God. If this is the personality of God that dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, it's our job to cultivate an environment where that personality can grow. There are hindrances to this fruit. There are things that will dry it up. Bugs can eat the fruit. The lack of nourishment, you can kill this fruit within you. Our lives are to be an environment in which this fruit is cultivated. And so the fruit is born in us by the Holy Spirit, but it can be choked out, dried up, die on the vine, unattended. Peace is like that. It may be God's peace dwelling within you, but you can ignore it. You can neglect it. Years ago, I came upon a piece of wisdom that you've probably heard this little story. A Native American grandfather was talking to his grandson about the tragedy of 9-11, September 11. And the grandfather said to his grandson, son, I feel as if I have two wolves fighting in my heart. One wolf is vengeful and angry and violent and the other one is loving and compassionate and the grandson said grandfather which wolf will win the fight in your heart and the old man said the one I feed Hmm. the fruit of the spirit of God in you must be fed Nurtured, watered, cultivated, pruned. Or other things will take your life over. Arid, dry, weeds. Choking out the very presence of God in you. We pray for peace. It's so easy to do. But to pray for peace is to be willing to work for peace. To pray for peace is to be willing to engage the world where it needs peace and to stand in that place with the peace of God within you. To pray for peace is to be willing to sweat and to get messy in the messy parts of life, to leave the church, to leave the church and go out in the world and be the church. To pray for peace means you're signing up to join God in the ongoing work of peace in the world. And to pray for peace is to say, my life is a place where peace can be cultivated and grow and flourish. You see, all this can be overwhelming. I I think of how in the world could we ever have peace with ISIS? How could that ever possibly be? How could there be peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians? Iran, Iraq, Korea, and Egypt, and Syria, and Sudan, and Afghanistan, and Congo, and Libya, and Nigeria, and Somalia, and Mali, and the list keeps going on and on and on. All these are serious needs for peace, and all of them are so overwhelming to me. I'm one person standing here in one pulpit in one city. How in the world do you impact peace in all those places? And then I think of the need of peace just within the United States, within my own country. Racial prejudice. Do you understand that? Racial prejudice? Because of the color of someone's skin, somehow we're all different over the fact that God made us a certain way and yet some are better than others. This makes no sense. Discrimination. Men make more money than women. Hate. Abuse. While I'm preaching this morning in Richmond, Virginia, you don't want to know how many children are being abused in our city in this very second. How can this be? Violence, guns, economic injustice. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and and we don't know how to fix it. And yet we keep gaining and they keep losing. And then there's the current political war that's on television 24 hours a day, seven days a week, between Democrats and Republicans and others. Talking as if we're not citizens of the same country. How are you going to bring peace to all of that? And it gets even closer. What about in our homes? 50% of all the people we marry will end in divorce. Failed marriages. Siblings battling over the inheritance. And fighting over the goods left by two very loving parents. And the siblings fall apart, will not speak to each other the rest of their lives over money. Affairs, addictions, wounds too deep to heal, and forgiveness too shallow to make a difference. How in the world is peace going to come to all that? How do we bring peace to that? And the answer is perhaps we don't. We don't. We don't. These are God-sized issues, and they need a God-sized response. We need what Paul's talking about when he writes the peace of God, not human peace. The peace of God, and then he says, which surpasses all understanding. Yes, that's, that's it. That's what is needed In all the situations I just mentioned, a piece that I can't manufacture, fruit that I can't make, that is born into the world that belongs to God and not to us. We need to cultivate this fruit within us. We need to stop ignoring and neglecting the gifts of God that are within us. Listen, if you neglected your body in the same way you neglect your soul, you would end up in the ICU unit before Christmas morning. You understand that? We neglect our very spirits as if they're just going to grow and flourish and mature And yet, if we neglected our physical bodies, the gifts from God as well, if we neglected them in the same way, we would be obese and sick and die. And that's exactly what happens to our spirits. They dry up on the vine. We find ourselves participating in the rancor that's going on in our country. We find ourselves in the mix of the gossip. We find ourselves swept away by the streams of human debacle. Instead of cultivating this peace of God that dwells within us. This joy of God that doesn't belong to us but belongs to God. This love of God that belongs to love and not to me. I don't want to love you. I don't mean you. You know what I mean. <laughs> But something or somebody in me wants to love you. And I'm going to tie my rope to that ship. That's what it means to be a Christian. Somewhere along the way, we've gotten it all mixed up to think that somehow being a Christian means being good. And it means doing something for poor old God, you know. I mean, let's go to church for God this morning. Let's give a little donation for God. Let's maybe go help some poor people for God. That's not only wrong, I would say that's heresy. The true biblical understanding of being a Christian is that it is actually something that God does within you. Not something that you do yourself. God makes you like God's self. God breathes on the image of God within you and brings the love of God to light in your life. God breathes on those embers within you and brings the fire of joy to burn. God breathes within you and gives you the peace that doesn't belong to you, but a peace that belongs to God that surpasses all human understanding. This stuff doesn't belong to us. It is given to us. (laughs) This stuff isn't manufactured by us. It belongs to God. It's a gift to you to be cultivated. See, I don't think there's any way to talk about peace out there until we talk about peace in here a peace that only God can give the world. Let us pray. Lord, we are bold to pray for peace this morning, and yet we wonder, would we be willing to surrender our lives as a place where peace can be cultivated? We're bold enough to pray for this peace, and yet we wonder, are we willing For this peace to be manifested in us at work and at home and in our politics and in our relationship with you and with one another. God of peace, in your infinite mercy, would you grant to us and all your people, Christian, not Christian, people of faith, people of no faith, white, green, black, purple people, all your people, Would you grant us your peace for your kingdom's sake? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.